We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the week 16 edition of the Pro Football Focus Show here on Roto Grinders. I am Britt Devine, joined by my man Ian Harditz. We are in the winter wonderland in both of our locations. Uh, so, uh, apologies if there are any power interruptions. It's not uh, anything on our end, it's just Mother Nature taking that into uh, effect. But, Ian, uh, we're back for week 16. Uh, still a fun week in DFS sports betting. Uh, ready to have some fun this week, man. Yeah, man. This weather affected my life, affected my job. I'm tired of it, man. Mother Nature uh, picked this specific week. I feel like we get one every single year where the conversation ends up being first and foremost about the weather and then everything else follows. But it is what it is. Great day be great as always. Should all football be played indoors, Ian? No way. Can't no, do you that. Like, you if like anything, the outdoors? What about anything, in the Northeast? No domes. If anything, no domes anywhere would be, uh, be my rule. That's yours. I I I want to. I want perfect weather for the players, for the fans. I want more fantasy points. That's that's the ball's not even point. round. How do you want perfect weather? Come on. We can't even play any of these uh, Saints or Browns this weekend because it's what forty mile per hour winds. There's one. There's one. There's man one oh, I'm not messing around with Alvin Kamara. You can you throw no. Taysom Hill to go. Taysom Hill. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll talk about that uh, in just a little bit. But uh, as if you're new to this, you're probably not. Uh, we start off every week on this show going over Ian's article over a Pro Football Focus, one of a million different articles uh, that Ian does and one of a billion different that are available on Pro Football Focus. Uh, it's the Mismatch Manifesto. Ian, let's jump into it this week uh, where we, he matches up a bunch of offensive stats, a bunch of defensive stats uh, across the board and tries to find some good spots for us. Explosive play rate. This is always good. Uh, is Derrick Henry going to run for over seven? Is his longest rush going to be over 17 and a half yards? I hope so. Uh, is he going to run for over 109 yards? I also hope for that one as well. 
Uh, what are we looking at this week in terms of explosive plays? Yeah, I was uh, I was curious when I was looking up his uh, rush yards prop, just how high they would go for a guy with four straight games over 200 against his defense, but 109.5. Yeah, sure. Let's go ahead and keep going over that. But yeah, with all these charts again, blue, good, red, bad, just combining the same matchup type statistics we always talk about into one easy breezy one-way street here. So some passing games really set up for success. We got Mahomes and the Chiefs. Panthers against this Lions defense. Now it's less so of a, you know, pat on the back to Sam Darnold and more so a reality that while the Lions have gotten a lot better defending the run, they still stand out as one of these, I would say, top three defenses in the NFL, really being more of a pass funnel unit. We also have the Ravens, I think, following into that category, the Lions, and then also the Tennessee Titans. We're seeing Houston at least popping a little bit on that side of things. So Chris Moore been helping us out a little bit these uh, last few weeks, but we need to make sure that uh, – Brandon Cooks joins Nico Collins on the sideline. Nico's already been ruled out, and Chris Moore in his own right is questionable. That is the good thing about doing this show now, Brett. We have pretty much all of the uh, injury reports mm-hmm. but ready to go, except for those uh, Sunday games, uh, not usually the case. Also having the Raiders popping up a little bit against the Steelers. I mean, I know the Steelers' defense, they kind of have this great reputation, but especially against the pass this year, have not been all that strong, specifically against wide receivers. So I got some Devontae Adams props uh, beyond that. And yeah, man, otherwise, uh, let's see, a couple run games, Ravens. Vikings and Bears really popping off. Buffalo and Philly not looking too shabby as well. The Baltimore one is interesting because I do have a Dobbins prop to talk about later, and it is looking like an awesome matchup for the Ravens, both in terms of explosive run play rate and yards before contact before carry that we'll get to in a minute. I just wish we could guarantee more than 13 to 15 carries uh, for the dude out there. So I'm not quite so sure, you know, what Dobbins, you know, massive ceiling is with the current workload he's got, but at a minimum should expect him and the rest of those Ravens run backs to have some efficient days at the office i know you like adams we'll talk about that in a bit i was eyeing uh cars at 217 and a half passing yards you like that one yeah man sounds good to me there again this raiders team got run for especially now with Renfro and waller back for car that's a good call yeah uh, that's another one so I, I i couldn't when you posted the adams line uh, I couldn't actually believe it was that low. So right. I'll, I'll, def- I'll definitely have to jump on that one. As the and the, uh, let's see. I'm looking at Kevin Ross. Always awesome. NFL weather breakdown on rotorgrinders.com. And yeah, temperature around 10 degrees with 10 to 15 miles per hour. So not great. That's great also, weather this weekend. Exactly. It's a yellow. <laughs> if I'm not seeing an orange or a red man, I'm not overly concerned about it. You know? Yeah. And as a note, if you guys listen to any shows, you'd have to have your head under a rock to not realize pretty much every game has some sort of cold wind, rain, snow, uh, there are some uh, plays in domes you can get uh, accustomed to this week. But other than that, I just do know it is a weather week. Uh, all right, let's go to pace. It looks like one game really standing out, Philadelphia at Dallas. I want your take on this. Do they continue, right, without Jalen Hurts? Can Gardner Minshew keep the Philadelphia offense? It looks like they're the fastest in the league here. Can they keep up the pace of play, or do you expect that to take a tick back with him in, in, in the reins? Maybe just a tab, but the thing is the Cowboys, I mean, are honestly moving just as fast as the Eagles this year. Eagles are number one in situation neutral pace, so even if they do fall back, they kind of have some room, and they'll still probably be an above-average team. Cowboys top five in their own right, so that's the other side of these things, man. For somehow this week became like a Dak Prescott debate week, even though the guy has led the number one, number one ranked scoring offense in the NFL since returning from injury, but you know whether Gardner and Minshew and company can make this game competitive remains to be seen, but I think they're really going to have to keep their foot on their gas 
no matter what, just to keep up with Dak and the other offense on the other side of the field. So I'm all in on, you know, continuing to trust these Eagles skill position talents. I mean, if you just look at it, man, take away the passing side of things. Now, PFF, we break it up with the offenses, pass grade, rush grade, receiving grade, pass blocking and run blocking grade. I remove passing from the equation, average the rest of those factors, just to get an idea of like who has the best and worst supporting cast in the NFL. I did this a week ago, and at that point, it was still Justin Herbert and the Chargers with the single worst supporting cast for their quarterbacks. But number one was the Philadelphia Eagles, the big badass offensive line, Delonte, AJB, a returning Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders. You cannot ask for a better offense to lift a, let's face it, average, perfectly fine quarterback like Gardner Minshew into it. So even before Gardner Gardner was on Philly, he was someone on Jacksonville that wasn't amazing by any stretch, but also a better fantasy quarterback probably than real life thanks to some of his willingness to run. So all my way of saying, Britt, I am all in on Gardner as my cash game QB this week. Yeah, we'll have to talk. There's another guy in the mix that's also cheap, and we'll have a little bit of a debate on. Well, I think I'm on your side as well, but we'll try to dice out which play will be the best one. Uh, all right, let's go to pressure rate. Uh, Quarterbacks that will be under pressure, quarterbacks that may have all time, all day to throw, and then also you can we got to play defenses, uh, maybe a couple defenses that can rack up some sacks. What are we looking at? Yeah, Malik Willis, Kirk Cousins kind of standing there. But honestly, the way the Titans and Minnesota Vikings pass games work, they just kind of lend itself to a little more pressure. So I will have some thoughts on Malik a little bit later as a GPP option because the one difference here, Britt, with Tannehill tentatively expected to miss the rest of the season here with this injury, I don't know if the Titans can really play Malik the same way they did back in week seven, week eight. Like at this point, you got to start trying to build some confidence in the guy and build an offense that can actually maybe go win you a playoff game because that is still the position that they're looking at it's going to come down to that Jaguars game next week probably for a division and I just don't think you can have Malik Willis going out there and only throwing the ball eight to ten times a game and expect to you know be winning aside from times where Henry can put the team on his back so that's always a possibility but against this Houston team wouldn't mind being a week ahead of what could be a nice boom at some point from a dual threat guy like Malik Willis so we'll see what happens there guys I should have all day to throw though Kenny Pickett against that Raiders team again not great weather anywhere so if we were going to pick a game with a couple bad defenses and with some offenses that haven't been the most consistent, but we do have some, you know, dudes on both sides of the ball, that Raiders uh, Steelers matchup is standing out to me. Also, yeah, just a lot of waste because of some of this weather. The Atlanta Falcons, uh, look, the Ravens this year, Again, one of those pass funnel defenses where they've been awesome against the run. Falcons have really only tried to run all season. So if they do have to lean on Desmond Ritter, it's a Ravens secondary, doesn't have Marcus Peters. We've already seen them throughout this year be a bit hit or miss. And over these last two games, Drake London, I mean, don't look now. We complained about the targets all season long. Ever since Kyle Pitts left the picture, he's actually started to flirt with that double-digit target mark each and every week. So definitely not trusting Ritter enough in cash. And Baltimore, as is the case with all these, you know, we do have a yellow forecast uh mark so not completely uh thrilled about that weather but drake london someone that we know is a talent starting to finally get the opportunity all right let's go down in the article just a little bit more we'll look at yards before contact uh let's see here it doesn't look like derrick henry has the best matchup not too concerned about that in dfs uh your boy jk dobbins looking pretty juicy for his matchup what else is standing out to you uh from from this metric 
Yeah, I mean, the Titans, look, we kind of see with Henry, it's two yards, three yards, three yards, four yards, 60 yards. So I don't think it's going to be the biggest problem when we know we're getting 20-plus carries out for the guy. On the other side of the ball, though, with the Texans, I mean, good thing for Damian Pierce. He's not going to have to be unleashed against this absolutely ferocious Titans front seven. Again, we'll see if that forces Houston to throw the ball a little bit more than usual in that one. But yeah, as we saw in the explosive run play uh, charge as well, Ravens set up awfully well. And also the Bills, man, this is another matchup where we probably should be expecting it to be a run-heavy affair with all those windy conditions going on in Buffalo. And as much as James Cook has been a factor, last week it did swing back right back into Devin Singletary's favor. So Josh Allen's an interesting play if you just want to really rely on his ability to run the football. But don't sleep on Devin Singletary, even to a lesser extent, James Cook in tournaments, because I think both these guys could be in the sort of matchup they warrant 15-plus touches, and the matchup is there to certainly take uh, the most advantage of that. Final note would be Miles Sanders and the Eagles, probably, because, hey, if you don't have Jalen Hurts, you're going to be changing things up. I would like to think that Minshew's not going to have quite the same package of, uh, you know, goal line QB sneaks at his disposal if that's going to be the case. Now we have Miles Sanders still in a very good offense hopefully getting a lot more fantasy-friendly touches than he's used to in the passing game and along the goal line where Jalen Hurts is usually scrambling or taking it in himself. Yeah, we saw ETN able to get to Dallas last week or two weeks ago. Uh, so uh, Actually, no, that was last week. Yeah. Know. He also he played last night, so I'll give you some. Yeah, uh, yeah give, me, give me some on, uh, on that one. Uh, all right, let's go to, let's see here, what are we at? Uh, combined yards for drop back sort of goes with explosive plays. Uh, what quarterbacks are slinging the ball down the field? It looks like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, what do you think is going to happen, right? Is zero-degree weather in Kansas City going to do anything to slow him down? I know his props right around 300. He seems to go over that just about every single week. Uh, we've got Tua. His performances has slowed down just a little bit. Uh, what do you think about that? him in that game? Just a lot of weather are going to basically keep a lot of these, uh, I think, a little bit lower than their season averages. Yeah, what an absolutely ugly Sunday we have uh, after that Packers-Dolphins game. So, yeah, not not too much of a surprise that Tua and company set up the best against the Packers team that Jair Alexander and company, you know, they haven't been terrible this year, but certainly maybe haven't lived up to what you might think from some of those names in that group. Um, Josh Allen, I guess, would be the contrarian GPP option. I mean, we remember that Patriots game from last year when Mac Jones only threw the ball three times, but they were still like, all right, Josh, go out there and do your thing. So, they are facing the Bears. You know, we just saw in the last chart. I don't think the Bills are going to have the hardest time running the ball. So I'm not saying Josh is going to be pushing, you know, for 40, 45 pass attempts like you might like in some of his boom week type performances. Uh, that said, if we are trying to, you know, separate ourselves from the field, not that many weeks where we're getting Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs and company this low owned. So. And that one, again, it's just more so the winds. It's going to be freezing. Maybe just maybe with the no-falling precipitation, though, we see Josh overcome Mother Nature. But, yeah, otherwise, uh, Seahawks-Chiefs, man, that, that one still has a high game total. It's like the one game that Vegas looked at. It was like, okay, come on, we can't bump these guys down too far. But really, man, just with Patrick Mahomes, if you want to stack him with Jared McKinnon because of how much he's catching passes, that's fine. We got Juju still underpriced. Travis Kelsey, you know, we always uh, he always has the capability of putting up a week-wanting uh, performance. And on the other side, we got DK Metcalf and or Marquise Goodwin without Tyra Lockett. So really solid game stack potential there. All right, let's go to EPA per play. Uh, I know there are some gems this week. What's standing out in terms of it looks like uh, we got combined yards for drop back up here twice. So you're going to have to go to the Twitter.com machine oh, and, no. find that, and find that one, Ian. Message the editors. Uh, what is standing out in EPA per play? 
Love my editors, but yeah, we will get that fixed. Uh, with the EPA, yeah, money line, uh, money line underdogs that actually do have the superior um, EPA per play offensive advantage. We got the Giants at plus four and a half against the Vikings, which surprised me, but I think goes to show you just when you hear the point differential stats, the one score games with the Vikings, they really have not been as dominant as their record indicates. Now, I'm not completely concerned. I'm not completely thrilled with you know having to back the, uh, Daniel Jones and company because we've seen them be inconsistent in their own right, but out of men. I'm not four and a half line, I think. Probably a little bit too wide. Also, Eagles five and a half. Hey, man, you know, you take away Jalen Hurts and it is going to drop three, four points. Was that too much, though, considering all that other offensive firepower? We shall see. And also the Raiders plus two and a half. That'd be the only other one. Like, I don't think Kenny Pickett and this team deserve to be favored against pretty much anyone. I don't see the Raiders getting too many more wins to wet in the style they did last week. But at the same time, I, we've seen way more highs out of that team, specific, specifically the offense, um, even, you know, as recently as four, six weeks ago. Uh, all right, that's going to wrap it up. I did find it. I am a true professional for everybody hey. on the stream. Uh, let's, go, uh, let's go wrap this up, Ian. We'll get into some sports bets. If you want to check out Ian's article in more depth or anything else Ian writes or any of the other millions of articles on PFF, including player grades, uh, defensive stuff versus offensive line. There's all the, I mean, you can just get so in the weeds and a lot of it's very relevant information for both sports betting and DFS. You can get yourself a PFF subscription. And I believe it is relatively cheap for the amount of information you're able to get out of that. I know I use it just about every single week. Uh, all right, let's jump into bets. Uh, we'll start with our spreads, parlays, teasers, all, all, all this sorts of fun stuff before we get into the props. The props I'm having a really great season on. And I'm back to above 500 now on this portion of the show where we talk some spreads and things like that. Um, I'm going to go with mine. I, I don't know what you're looking at this week. So uh, I've got a couple. I got a two-team. Well, this one's on This one's on points bet. So if you have the access, I, I'm sure you can do it on some of the other sites as well. Basically, you're just picking different over-unders, different spreads and things like that. And I put three of them together this week. And this was plus 127 on points bet right before the show. So I've got an under 40 and a half in that Browns game. And after what I saw with that Jets, I know it's the Jets offense, right? But what I saw from the Jets Jaguars in reasonably bad conditions, there's no way the Browns or Saints offense is going to score more than 40 points. I think the over-under is 42 and a half. Uh, so I got it uh, at 40 and a half. The other two bets. That's not 40. Are... It's like 32 and a half, man. That's what I saw. Yeah, so, well, I teased it, right? So it's Oh, like my bad. I missed that. Okay. Yeah, you're just picking all these spreads and putting them all together to get a plus money bet. Uh, the other one is Seattle plus 17 and a half, and this one's just pretty simple. One, Kansas City this year at home, They've I think they've won close to every game, but they're pretty uh, bad at covering the spread. And I in this year's NFL, no, no team deserves to be plus 17 and a half. Like, it's, it's literally a laughable line. So if I'm able to get that, I don't I, – I haven't bet Seattle yet straight up at plus 10. But I think that that might make it into my repertoire. That's just too much, in my opinion. Um, but to get them, teasing them past 17 and a half looks pretty good. And then the 49ers money line, you add that to it. So you put all three of those together. That was plus 127. If you spend a minute or two on FanDuel or DraftKings or whatever, I'm sure you can come up with this bet as well, picking different spreads as a parlay. I know DraftKings is a bunch of different boosts this week. If you have access to this, you can really juice this line in your favor. Uh, but just a, a normal bet that was plus 127 on points bet. And then the other one I'm looking at, it's another one. I'm sticking with that Seattle plus 17 and a half. I just think that is too good to be true to be able to get that in a bunch of lines. And then the other uh, bet I'm tacking onto that to get to a minus 110 is the 49ers minus two and a half. Getting them under a field goal, I just think they're they're way too good on offense. 
They're way too good on defense against Washington, who, I mean, they they couldn't even keep pace with the Giants. And the Giants are, uh, you know, a truly horrible – I don't know if they're a truly horrible offense. They're well coached. But if they can't beat the Giants or even play a competitive game against them, how are they going to keep this close against the 49ers who look to be on their way to a serious, serious playoff run? I don't care who is at quarterback for them. This is a quarterback-proof offense. And if they had – imagine if they didn't pick Trey Lance, if they picked someone else or a different quarterback or, or something. They just played a little bit differently. They didn't pay all that draft capital to get Trey Lance. This team would be loaded beyond – everything if they didn't do all that so just a, a crazy thing i still think it's too good minus two and a half with seattle plus 17 and a half that's only a, it's a minus 110 bet so that's just like betting a regular spread parlay those two together these are the two bets i got and i'm really really considering just seattle straight up a plus plus 10 i think that's too high of a line considering how good uh geno smith's been playing kenneth walker's back uh their defense can shut down some outside receivers. Travis Kelsey's gonna go nuts, but the plus 10 uh, I'm eyeing as well, Ian. So what do you think of those? And then what are you looking at? Yeah, I know your point on Trey Lance, but on the other side of things, what if you dropped a really highly mobile quarterback with a rocket launcher for an arm into the Shanahan offense? That's kind of what they were shooting <laughs> That's for on that. So hey, whether or not he would have, you know, emerged already as this pro ready enough type talent, you know, we can debate that all day. But hey, just one of those things. Hey. Hit the teaser against all odds last week, Britt. We need the Vikings to complete the single biggest comeback in NFL history to get there. But was oh, wins a win in there. Wins <laughs> a win. Uh, we don't need to go into semantics <laughs> with it. Uh, I do a parlay this week just for three teams at home who I really have a hard time seeing how they're going to lose these matchups. I got the Titans over the Texans. I know we're going from Tannehill to Malik. He did get the job done earlier this season, and I just again to only see that line at three and a half. I think still like the Titans even with the quarterback down grade far more complete team all across the board hopefully we get Traylon Burks back as well adding another weapon to that offense the Ravens over the Falcons similar sentiment yes we are going likely to Tyler Huntley there with Lamar Jackson once again out but just give me the Ravens over the Falcons all day like the Titans and, and I mean I guess the Falcons still somehow aren't eliminated in this crazy NFC South situations but certainly taking the home team I believe with again maybe not far more to play for but just a better overall team and then finally the 49ers over Washington Washington, who you mentioned before, and I'd be fine taking that spread straight up as well. And that one is popping. If you look at our EPA per play chart from earlier as one of the largest differentials of the week. So yeah, Purdy, man, just existing in those couple of seconds between getting the snap and getting the ball out to one of his many talented playmakers. But I don't know, like Washington over 10, 12 points out there. Like I know their implied team total is a little bit higher than that, but just really, we've seen such a bad version of Taylor Heineke. I mean, even before, even before that chaotic end of the game, you know, we got those last few plays going on. The first play of that drive, there was a massive busted coverage where Curtis Samuel should have gone for like a 70 yard score and Heineke just couldn't even give him that layup pass and nearly took the guy out of bounds. So really this year, I think only Zach Wilson has a lower PFF passing grade. So I know the guy's fun to watch play and he had a couple nice comebacks earlier in the year he's a quality backup but now we got a quality backup going up against arguably the best team in the nfc i'm convinced he's just gonna get paid a lot of money because of all those uh the outfits he wears pregame so <laughs> if you if you see him roll up to these games in some of these outfits he's he's a a sharp dresser always comes up and uh i guess if that's your stick and it gets you millions of dollars in the nfl to be one of the worst actual quarterbacks Ian, you got to right. do what you got to do sometimes. Uh, I'm not all right, hating. so that's going to wrap up some of our spreads, uh, parlays, et cetera, that we're doing. Uh, let's go to the props. The props have been very good to me on this show. I am 23 and 10 
which that's a lot of units uh, positive, uh, basically playing two or three props a week. Uh, the one I, I had written up, and I don't know if I moved this or the scores and odds people picked up on this or someone else bet it, but it's up to 56 and a half now. And I think that's probably a little closer. Mike Evans opened at 49 and a half. Ooh. For, for yards and I bet that on every site the max that I was allowed to because I just thought that was too good it's 56 and a half you can still take that I still like the over on that but the 49 and a half you're probably not going to get that that is one I had written up for the show so I had to swerve about a half an hour before the show Ian I just want Derek Henry's going over 109 yards he's gone <laughs> over 200 four straight games he's on fire it's against the Texans I honestly, I think I would have rather liked Tannehill on there so they would have at least had to play some semblance of the pass. Yeah. But I'm not really too concerned about this. If anything, that's just more carries for Derrick Henry. So, and I, I don't know this Houston offense if it's going to be able to keep up putting up these big games against, I mean, the Chiefs defense isn't really any good either. So, uh, but I don't know. I just think Derrick Henry over one and nine and a half. I had him last week in here. I think it was at 10. I think it was 98 and a half I got him at, and he went over 100. So I'm just going to ride that against the best matchup in the league. 109 and a half is a big swerve. Uh, another one is a little under the radar. I'm going with uh, a Giants wide receiver, which is always a little uh, sketchy because Daniel Jones, I don't know if he's too great, but if there's ever a week to take a Giants wide receiver, you can take your pick. I don't mind Slayton. I don't mind Richard James. I don't mind Bellinger. Probably not going to bet all four. I have bet Isaiah Hodgins uh, over 33 and a half. He's basically an every every snap player right now. Uh, and the Giants passing attack gets to play in a dome, right? So there's no weather this week. And it's going up against the Vikings. They've allowed the second most passing yards per game on the season and the third most on the season at home. Uh, Hodgins has gone over this in five of his last seven. And his lowest floor, right, is 29 yards. So we're basically at the 33 and a half. Now his highest is like in the in the 40s. So he's right around here. But against the Vikings, you want to pass on them. He's the outside receiver. That's where you want to attack him. Uh, I, I think Slayton could probably have a big game as well. But this 33 and a half line, I think, is just a little bit too low. If there's any rash, rational coaching, we have seen some rational coaching this year. Even Cliff Kingsbury did it with James Conner in one game. He ran him against the Chargers. I think Brian Dable is a rational coach. Maybe he tries to let it fly a little bit. This 33 and a half line is just too low. Uh, so the two I'm propping up for the show are going to be Hodgins over 33 and a half. And I'm going to go with Derrick Henry over 109 and a half rush yards. Do you like those two, Ian? No, that sounds uh, pretty good to me, man. I, I know I know, we're both uh, a little bit more probably willing to bet overs than we should with these, but hey, when you're 23 and 10 I on picked the, the year. That's why I picked pick the dome games. I'm not, messing around with, I'm not messing around with weather. And Derrick Henry, he's going over, so that's just a free square. Hey, I am down. So I got three uh, this week. I'm also riding some over trains here. And again, the most success I found with these is when you can find a line that just seems to have been thrown out there based on their season-long average. And then if we have a realistic reason to believe their workload or their efficiency with the weather or matchup is going to give them you know a nice boost ahead of that so first of all jk dobbins over 59 and a half rushing yards at DraftKings. i mean we went through with the mismatch manifesto charts i mean the ravens are basically set up at the line of scrimmage better than anyone this week to run the ball based on their offensive line versus defensive line that they should be seeing and with dobbins this year i mean his average is 61.3 so i really think that that over under was set more so versus the season-long average not what we've seen since he return from injury ripping off these 120 and 125 yard performances over the past two weeks so brought it up before i don't love that we might have to get this on only you know 15 or so carries but then again you have 
Huntley questionable in his own right. Lamar out again. I mean, they might just realize that Dobbins, who my eye test told me looked way healthier last week, even than he did in that initial game he had against the Steelers, could be set for an even bigger workload here moving forward. So just 59 and a half rushing yards, man. I am all in on that. Also, we'll take, you know, my version of the Mike Evans prop uh, I found was Devontae Adams over 67 and a half receiving yards over at DraftKings. It just seems incredibly too low for me. I mean, he's averaging 91.1 receiving yards per game this season. And yeah, he's been down a little bit these last two weeks, but that was more so because he faced the Patriots who fair play to them, did their thing, taking away Carr's number one weapon and the week before that him going up against Jalen Ramsey, who I know has given up a lot of touchdowns this year, but at a minimum, Ramsey did enough in that game to really dissuade Carr from throwing his way too often, aside from that incredible one-handed catch on the first drive. So I like Adams over 67.5 against the Steelers secondary that, again, just has not been good defending the wide receiver position all season. Look at the fantasy points, receptions, receiving yards, bottom five, and pretty much everything. I also don't even hate the over five and a half receptions in this matchup. You can get that plus 116 odds, 6.1 uh, average on the season. And finally, Britt, the Mona Lisa of the prop week, Taysom Hill over 35 and a half rushing yards. Again, this seems like a situation where this line was set because his season average rushing per game is 34 and a half rushing yards. So you add an extra one because it's a bad weather game and all that, but it's not just a bad weather game. This seems like the worst weather game that we're going to see likely the rest of the season. So Nick Underhill, who does a fantastic job covering the saints and always has a new Orleans football, I believe is the name of his site. If not, you know, just go check him out on Twitter. But he was even saying like, even though no, the saints aren't going to give out their strategy before the game or anything, but he wouldn't be surprised at all. Given the weather, given the fact that Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry are also sidelined and going to be missing this game, that we could see much more of a full-time Taysom Hill under center than we've seen virtually all season long. So they've already been increasing his snaps. I mean, five straight games now with over 40% of the offensive snaps before he wasn't even reaching that mark once, I believe, in the first eight, nine weeks of the season. So again, against the Browns defense that we've seen really struggle against the run and just not be good overall for most of the season, you could say this would be a fair line even before you start looking into the matchup and weather side of things. But Taysom Hill, man, double-digit rush attempts, giving me over 35 and a half rushing yards. Let's go. All right, so I got all three of these in the except the the Taysom. What so the Taysom? Well, it's, it's, it's up to minus one fifty, minus one sixty. Oh, like, I thought I, I saw somewhere else. Hold on, uh, it's maybe it was. I I think I saw there was a, a group who got on this maybe like a couple hours ago on Twitter. So I think they might have juiced the lineup. So if it's what I did, I I pivoted to the Taysom Hill touchdown a plus three times. Oh wow, you're right. Okay, I mean I did this like an hour hour and a half ago, and it was at thirty five mm-hmm. and a half. Now it's okay. I'm seeing DraftKings thirty seven and a half, one fifteen, same yeah. ish point, but it's on yeah. its way up. So yeah, I pivoted to the touchdown three ten. Nice. How's that sound? That yep. sound good. Let's do it. Let's boogie. All right. Uh, so that's gonna do it for the uh, prop slash uh spreads parlay part of the show we have been a pretty good track record on those so i encourage you to jump into all of those all right dfs quarterback this week we've got two cheap quarterbacks at least from the cast discussion gardner Minshew is the one i think most people are going to play he's 4800 on DraftKings, uh 6100 on fanduel uh danny nichols i'm downgrading him from danny dimes so he's danny nichols He's, you know, I was looking at the Roto-Grinders projections. I was looking at the Blitz projections. You know, I think Roto-Grinders and Mr. Cardi know what they're talking about. Both of their optimals currently on a Friday, right? So we're one day away from these games playing. They're tossing in Danny Dimes. 
And I don't know. Do you want this is what do you want the quarterback who has the great matchup in a dome with very questionable weapons? Or do you want, I think Gardner Minshew is a very capable NFL quarterback, a player with all the weapons going up against Dallas. And Dallas defense has taken some hits, lots of injuries recently. So, and he's what, 5,400, 5,600 on DraftKings? I think I'm going to go with Minshew personally. Can you see where maybe Danny Dimes gets in there from the Giants? Yeah, because I mean he's not very expensive in his own right. We just have so many like backup quarterbacks that there's all these cheaper options. But again, just mention that eight hundred dollar difference. I do think there are enough great plays this week. Looking at Henry McCaffrey on the other side of the field, Justin Jefferson in that dome against a Giants secondary, still not getting a Dory Jackson back. I'm paying down at quarterback. I got some wide receivers. I'm paying down on too many high priced running backs, wide receivers that I want to get up to this week. If we were talking more so, a lot of these guys like five. Six 6k running backs that we had no problem playing okay then i'd be fine taking daniel jones like i i think daniel jones should have a higher median projection than gardner Minshew. if i was in a season-long league like i'm in plenty i have daniel jones ranked higher than gardner Minshew this week but with the 800 bucks i need that we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Uh, what about from tournaments? Two guys I'm looking at, at least in terms of projected ownership, you know, what, 24 hours before games kick off. Uh, Justin Fields is sitting around 4% ownership, and he has the ability, or he's got no receivers. He can run for 100-plus yards and two touchdowns and, and break the slate. He's done that a couple of times this year. I know the weather's not great, but at sub-4% ownership, you don't have to stack him with anybody. You can just roll him out there and get all the points from that team. I think he's pretty interesting. And then uh, Joe Burrow is coming in at what six to seven percent owned. I know he's seven K, but I really like the matchup Jamar Chase has this week. Very easy to stack with. Uh, no, uh, Hurst is out at tight end, so maybe that consolidates targets just a little bit more to the receivers. I think he's pretty interesting if you're getting away. Right, our two highest known quarterbacks eating up 32 percent of the field right now are Gardner Minshew and Daniel Jones. <laughs> I mean, come on, right? Like, you can do better than that in a tournament. One tournament lineup, one tournament lineup with uh, Taysom Hill under center. Why not? Come on, man. Everything you just said about Justin Fields. He's playing on Yahoo. That's just season long, right? Yes, I believe that's just season long. (laughs) So only one, no more than one. But, uh, hey, Willie Maker with Taysom Hill at the QB spot. A man can dream. Think about it, man. What if – I mean, that game's – I think it's at 1 o'clock, but, like – 
it wouldn't be the craziest thing, I feel like, if we get a pregame report, like, oh, we're going to see a big roll. Like, you know, Schefter's going to tell us at 1 a.m. Taysom Hill's got a big roll today. I don't know. If we have Taysom Hill legitimately playing 80% of the snaps, throwing the ball 10, 12 times, and he runs in twice as a rusher on this week, man, crazier things have happened. But if you're not quite going that low, I do think uh, D- uh, Sam Darnold's an interesting, cheaper guy who's kind of splitting the price between Jones and Minshew. And again, it's against one of these past funnel defenses in the Detroit Lions where they've done a great job limiting opposing run games really for the better part of the last six weeks but with Darnold a cheap affordable DJ Moore against a Lions secondary that all season long has been able to slow down anyone I don't hate that. And Darnold in his own right, man, we've seen him rather inexplicably at times uh, show off the wheels a little bit. Last year, he had like five rushing touchdowns in the first four games of the year. So, no, it has been, you know, such a run-first offense that I am a little concerned about the overall upside. But if the Lions can, again, just shut down that run game from the start, Darnold might have might not have any choice but to throw the ball against a secondary that, again, can't really stop anyone these days. Um, all right, let's go to the running back position. And I'm going to ask you to pick between two elite options. I know we can play both of them, but I want to know if people are struggling between one or the other. Christian McCaffrey is 8,800 on DraftKings.com. Derek Henry is 8,600 on DraftKings.com. Gun to your head, you got to play one of them. Who is it this week? I think on DraftKings, we still have to go McCaffrey. And you're right. We can't play both of them. I want to play both of them on cash. And I've, you know, devised a scheme to get that figured out. So I am fine with Team Jammerman, you know, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, throwback. Let's just go get the two highest guys out there and throw them in that lineup. But with McCaffrey, man, like without Elijah Mitchell, we've actually seen Shanahan be willing to give him that 90% plus snap roll. That, and that's what made him, you know, obviously such a fantasy darling over the years in Carolina. So no Debo Samuel still, no Elijah Mitchell. I mean, McCaffrey is getting that role that made him arguably, and I think still is number one all time in fantasy points per game at the running back position and the best offense of his career when it starts coming down to the scheme and the, uh, you know, just capabilities of having an actual play caller, uh, you know, worthy of getting the ball into his hands. So McCaffrey, I give a slight edge to him in full PPR. We'll talk about half or standard. Then I'd probably go Henry. Uh, all right. So then other than that, uh, we all know the the lore of Derrick Henry late season. Derrick Henry against the Texans, 200 plus yards and four straight games. So we, we've got that covered. What are we doing? Oh, the other one I wanted to ask you, would you rather have either one of those or Justin Jefferson? this week? Yeah, I was looking at that earlier. That's what's tough. I my salary constraints were enough that I couldn't quite spare that extra 500 to go up to Jefferson. I'm, I'm fine going with the running backs slightly ahead of JJ as good as that dude has been lately. All right. So who's the third running back? Because there's a couple, there's not that cheap, you know, the cheapest, I think I'd be willing to go. You mentioned McKinnon earlier and with Hardman looking unlikely to play, I think his role seems pretty stable in this Kansas city offense. So he's basically the cheapest you can go at 5,900. Other than that, there's a couple of mid-tier guys. I really like Delvin Cook if you can't get Justin Jefferson. Delvin Cook's a nice consolation prize in the flex against the Giants who can't stop anybody on the ground. You've got Stevenson who uh, – is Harris going to play or is he still – Harris is still limited. He's questionable. He's questionable. I haven't heard – I mean, we don't hear anything out of New England. I will say even if Harris plays, I mean, Stevenson, the amount of uh, targets and receptions he's going to get still very much in play at that price. 
Yeah, and do you like Saquon at seventy nine hundred? I know the projections like him, but I think I, I don't know. I think I'd, I'd rather play Delvin for what seven hundred dollars less in this game. Yeah, I'd say that's reasonable. They really did like. There's been low key both of these guys this year. They've had workloads that are kind of more akin to these like borderline RB ones because Saquon and Dalvin were setting uh, career low marks in targets per game and receiving yards per game uh, going into this last week. So with that so seemingly changing for both guys, especially Dalvin, some of the things they did last week, just throwing them easy screens, and we all saw that you know monster touchdown things like that at home against I think a worse defense than what the Vikings have around. Eh, no, nah, I, I probably shouldn't say that. Either way, at home. Similar workloads. Give me Dalvin. And then I see from the YouTube, uh, again, if you guys are watching on YouTube, please click the like button. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, let's talk about McKinnon versus uh, Pacheco this week. You you seem to prefer McKinnon in this pass game role, uh, you know, one point per reception. That adds up pretty quickly in the role he currently has. By the way, I appreciate you, Jack. I will not helicopter Mark Andrews just for you, man. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the holidays. Please don't come to my house. It's too cold out here for anyone to be uh, coming over. I'm going to go uh, just barely towards Jared McKinnon because it really – look, to the Chiefs' credit, man, they have started to steadily increase his snaps. And this isn't really new. We saw in the playoffs last year, even with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, healthy enough to be active and get some touches per game and everything. Like, they really featured Jared McKinnon with these 70 80% snap roles that we haven't seen really anyone get there since Kareem Hunt, you know, was uh, was released. So with Jarek, snaps have increased in four consecutive games. I mean, coming off these back-to-back overall RB1 performances, I think what you brought up about Miko Hardman, you know, being out again is a really good point because he is now the guy that they're scheming these touches to inside the 10 20 yard line so Kadarius Tony maybe he's a little bit more involved after you know finally making it through a full week of practice and not getting any more banged up but I do Lee McKinnon just over Isaiah Pacheco I mean even before this hot stretch like anyone that's had Pacheco or Clyde on your team this year you've been frustrated like watching them inside the 10 yard line because McKinnon is always the guy that's out there on the field so I don't think Pacheco is out of you know play if you want to kind of switch them I think they're both solid enough plays the Seahawks are bottom three in fantasy points per game this year allowed to opposing running backs with Pacheco though it's just one of those things where 15 to 16 carries maybe with one or two targets and it's hard to make too much out of that on a full PPR site like DraftKings so Pacheco he has been consistent man uh, Justin Fields has an NFL high eight straight games with at least 60 rushing yards I believe Pacheco is second uh, with six such games so He's been solid, but again, the pass catching upside for McKinnon, just so tough for more of these one-dimensional grinders to meet. Give me Jarek. Uh, if you're looking to leverage off of uh, Gardner Minshew, you play Miles Sanders in a tournament. I know you like J.K. Dobbins uh, from the sports betting perspective. He's 5,800. Does he set up as a swerve for maybe McKinnon, who looks to be about double the ownership right now of, uh, of Dobbins? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, how many times do you get this running back kind of still going under the wall, uh, under the radar of back-to-back games with over 120 rushing yards? So similar to Pacheco, we had the same concerns with Dobbins. He's not going to catch a lot of passes and probably not going to be even seeing 25-plus carries. But does look like the primary touchdown scorer for a home favorite against a defense that we don't have all that much confidence in slowing down the run game. So I like the Dobbins call there. Um, yeah, man, I think that's probably about it here. I don't see a ton of cheap. Again, I really want to pay up at the position more than yeah. anything this week. I know there's been a lot of talk about Chuba versus Deontay Foreman. Like, I think the answer is just no. Like, please don't play either of those guys. Uh, if you can, I'll help it. I thought the Miles Sanders call was interesting. And probably the final point would be 
Kenneth Walker. He's got that questionable tag, which I think we generally see that drive down a player's ownership, whether they're going to be playing or not. And in his case, Pete Carroll has already come out and said that all the questionable guys are expected to play. So with uh, Kenneth over there, that I guess that is a one, yeah, rare, rare one o'clock game uh, in Kansas City, but is what it is. His route rate last week, I mean, we actually saw him save that day with that check down that he kind of turned into a 30, 35 yard gain. I mean, he actually ran a route on a higher percentage of Geno's dropbacks than Austin Eckler did last week on Justin Herbert. So I know we had questions coming into this year. Can Walker catch the ball because he wasn't really used that way at Michigan State, but he's looked fine at doing it this year. And the Seahawks, slowly but surely, especially, you know, with DJ Dallas banged up, Homer's been a little banged up throughout the year as well. More and more willing to give Walker that workhorse role. All right, let's go to the wide receiver portion of DFS. And I guess it's how many crappy chief wide receivers can you if we want to play cmc we want to play derrick henry we want to play dalvin cook or justin jefferson you got to throw in a couple of 3k 4k crappers in here so i already mentioned from the sports betting perspective i like hodgins from the giants you've also got uh who's a richie james is in in there at 3900 hodgins is 41 i think i'm on hodgins at 41 uh, over james at 39 you've got slayton's uh, a little what is he 5200 uh, so I like probably one of those Giants wide receivers. I I've made like lineups where you could play three Giants wide receivers. So like <laughs> you throw in Bellinger in there, and you could if you play want Saquon in there too. Like Saquon fits into some builds, and people are yeah. going to play him. Like how it gets great. And imagine if you play Daniel Jones with that. There's a lot of ways angle. Just go all Giants. <laughs> There's no the, way. The, Matt Breda in the RV two. <laughs> So, like, how many – I think one Giants player is, is enough for me for a cash game, whether it's if Daniel Jones or one of the receivers. Uh, you've got pick a cheap Patriots wide receiver, Jacoby Myers. If pat, negative passing yards counts uh, and interceptions counted positively for wide receivers, he would have done great last week. But, unfortunately, those do not. But he should get some volume this week in a game where I think they're going to be trailing. I like the Bengals to, to rock. Uh, the Patriots this week. I haven't bet on the Bengals yet, uh, but that's another one I'm sort of eyeing right now. Uh, I know you like Nelson Aguilar for targets. The production hasn't really been there, but he's cheap. You can throw in a couple other cheap wide receivers. And then you've got, in the spends, you've got what DK Metcalf in that mid high tier. And then the ultimate high tier, Justin Jefferson, if you've got some money to spend, that's basically where I'm leaning from my cash game perspective. Is that how you're sort of filling out your lineups right now? Yeah, Metcalf without Lockett. And then even Marquise Goodwin, the next most trustworthy mm-hmm. guy there, he's questionable with, uh, I think, a wrist and ankle ailment in his own right. So Metcalf is the guy that I'm willing to pay up for. Going down, I think you mentioned a lot of the possibilities uh, you know, with those New York Giants wide receivers. Uh, Chris Moore is still someone to keep an eye on if he is healthy enough to suit up. And we also see Brandon Cooks join Nico Collins on the sideline. All of a sudden, we have him in a quality matchup against that Titans pass funnel defense I've mentioned like six times already today so i'll be done with that one and then yeah nelson Aguilar at 3.3k is the very cheapest we can go break out your dropping babies you know gifs and memes all you want at this point he has eight three ten and six targets over his last four games he's made some plays out there man like nelson Aguilar, no he's probably not ever gonna and hasn't lived up to that first round you know draft value back in the day 
that said, still someone that we've seen with the Eagles for at least a year during their Super Bowl run with the Raiders before he got to New England and even a game or two along the way with the Patriots where he has been an explosive after the catch receiver who they are willing to throw the ball too deep. And in New England, man, we already have Devontae Parker ruled out with the concussion. I think Jacoby's just fine playing through the shoulder injury, but we also had Tyquan Thornton, a late addition to the injury report with a knee injury, and he seems to be legit questionable. So I know Kendrick Bourne was the guy that a lot of people in fantasy were hoping was going to be a thing. He had a really high yards per hour run rate last year and things, but the New England Patriots and Matt Patricia, even if you don't think much of the guy, do seem to think of Nelson Aguilar as their number one receiver with all these other injuries going on. So even Jacoby last week, man, like they're keeping him off the field a lot more than these other guys because of his status as a slot and they want to use a lot more two tight end sets. So Aguilar is the guy that's going to help us get up to a bunch more of these running backs that we really want to spend some money on. Um, from tournaments, uh, my favorite leverage play of the week was probably Brandon Ayuk. Uh, you get some CMC leverage on that, and everyone's expecting CMC to big have a big game. Uh, but what if it's Ayuk that gets you know seven or eight receptions, hits the 100 yards, gets the touchdown, and he's relatively low-owned, and CMC isn't the one getting into, you know, I don't know, CMC's probably getting into the end zone and probably going to have a big game, but Ayuk – uh, is a nice little leverage play off of that to me. Uh, I'm not leveraging any Titans wide receiver. Uh, I know you can maybe play Malik Willis in a tournament, but I do not have the stones to do that. So I'm not going to try to leverage off Derrick Henry. Uh, if if it's not Justin Jefferson, is it is it Adam Thielen? Is it Kate, is it the Osborne show again? What's what's going on there? If we're looking for an ownership off of that, and then DK Metcalf projected to be the highest owned wide receiver of the week. Are we playing a Marquise Goodwin? Are we playing a Noah Fant to try to get around that? First of all, I do like the uh, Ayuk call. He had such a dud last week with Kittle going off that people are probably still not as attuned as they should be with the you no know, Debo there. Ayuk should have bigger games down the road. And the KJ Osborne situation, this was something we talked a little about last week when I was uh, citing Evan Ingram and Jerry Judy. Like sometimes these guys have breakout games. And I think, you know, nowadays, especially in 2022, like people a lot sharper and understanding that, okay, that was, you know, his boom performance, probably to come back down to earth. But not always, so we actually don't see these guys that, like in Osborne's case, another good matchup at home in a game that, let's face it, doesn't have the weather concerns that half the freaking slate does. Otherwise, not illegal for K.J. Osborne to boom twice in a row. And at just 4.5K, man, you know, hey, we've been talking about the gross New York Giants wide receivers, some Houston Texans guys, uh, you know, freaking Nelson Aguilar I'm going on and on about. So you could do worse than someone that's going to be on the field all the time with a dry football and Kirk Cousins chucking that rock around. Some other guys, I mentioned the Sam Darnold note earlier, so that would obviously bake me all in on DJ Moore at 5.5K. And right next to him, Juju Smith-Schuster, man. I don't know how many more big games he needs to have, especially on a four PPR site like DraftKings before he can get a 6K salary. I mean, my goodness, he had three straight top 12 finishes before getting injured. He comes back and gets eased in. Then he's had his every down roll ever since, and he's had two of three awesome performances once again. So Juju Smith-Schuster really now, Five of his last six games, I believe he's finished as a top 15 PPR wide receiver. And if it's not top 15, it is pretty close to that mark. Going up against the Seattle defense, I mean, he is really right there jammed in alongside McKinnon and Pacheco. So I think that's a reasonable leverage play off of those likely chalkier running backs. And final note would just be, you know, I'm, remember, Amon Ross St. Brown, Sun God stay Sun God. It's just 7.8K against the Panthers defense that he should be able to eat alive from the friendly confines of the slot. All right, let's go to the tight end position to round out the show. It's pretty simple for me, at least from the cash games. I don't, I can't get up to Travis Kelsey. He's Kelsey's going to have a big game. 
Tight ends have been eaten against Seattle all year. Kittle did it last week. Kelsey's pretty much at the same level or better. I, I expect him to have a big game. He just costs a lot of money. Uh, so where I'm a- aiming, you've got a couple guys in that higher mid-tier. Schultz and Goddard, 4,200, 4,500, I think are great plays. If you're going cheap, you've got Bellinger from the Giants. You've got Noah Fant from Seattle against Kansas City. Those are probably the three options or the four options I'm looking at. Going to be the last position I fill in. I think, um, I don't know, Bell- if you're like, I'm just looking at some of the optimals that the Blitz and Roto Grinders is throwing off right now. It's literally with Bellinger, it's got Richie James, it's got Hodgins in there, it's got Daniel Jones in there. I mean, that, that that's too much, but you know, just calm, calm down just a little bit on your Giants. Maybe you can fit one receiver if you've got play like, Bellinger, maybe you can mix that in there as well. Uh, but that's how I'm handling the tight end position, at least from the cash games. Never go full Giants out here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. With uh, Daniel Bellinger, 3.3K. I do think he is the cheapest guy you can get down to. But he is playing through his rib injury, and I'm just a little bit concerned about him, you know, even having the upside to warrant it. Because there is, I think, enough close value. I mean, to me, like, Daniel Bellinger, he's just a whatever kind of borderline tight end one. Dalton Schultz and Dallas Goddard, you know, are costing, let's see, 800 and uh, over 1,000 more. So, not exactly. Like Fant over Bellinger? He is questionable with this knee thing. I would, but Lockett's out. Hmm. It's close. I, I probably, yeah, I probably lean. Oh, yeah, because Pete said all the questionable guys are going to play, so we shouldn't worry about that. I'd still just barely lean Bellinger, I think, but it's close. All right, and then Schultz or Goddard, if you had to pick between one of those. If you need to save the money, I think it's fine. I prefer with a Minshew lineup to just stack him with Dallas Goddard since we're not really going to be getting up to A.J. Brown from the sound of it. But raw projection, i probably still give Schultz a slight edge. I think Goddard, again, the fact that they seemed like he was ready enough to play last week, but they decided just to be cautious. He's coming off a shoulder injury, and yes, it's painful and everything, but it's not quite something like a knee that I'd be a little more concerned with them easing him back in. Not a doctor by any stretch, but with this one, I think they're going to want all hands on deck as much as possible. So tentatively hoping that Goddard's going to have his usual full-time role. And in that case, um, you know, we've certainly seen him be a cowboy killer ever since his rookie year. All right. You got any Hail Mary tight ends that just uh, pick and pray here? It looks pretty gross. Well, our, our guy at Conquo, man, you said you're not brave enough to go Malik in a GPP. <laughs> I get that, but God forbid someone out there is. Don't sleep on our guy at Conquo. Just absolutely crushing it. Still only 3.5K. Yeah, Traylon Burks, you know, is questionable. He practiced in full all week. It does seem like he has a good chance of returning, but okay, you know, it's Traylon Burks, and now it's uh, Chicky at Conquo. So, no, please, for the love of God, don't go near this guy in cash. There is a very real zero-point floor here. I do think, though, he profiles as, you know, the sort of you know quick twitch you know big play potential tight end that you would want to take a chance on in tournaments so that's it and then also i would just say last point mark andrews i know we keep saying this every week it's got to be there at some point but hey he is a guy right there like we saw with george kittle last week capable of having that two touchdown game at any given time so really just not anyone in this baltimore offense that seems to be getting too much ownership but mark andrews and again as we talked about jk dobbins those are the two engines of the group. So if anyone is going to be scoring, it would be those guys. Real quick, I guess, because we got the injury to um, Duvernay in practice. Is the Marcus Robinson overly cheap? Only 4000 That's another cheap receiver we could uh, consider going to Britt in cash games if needed. Wide receiver one to Marcus Robinson. This is what it comes to week 16. Lots what of a time crazy, to be alive. Crazy quarterback and receiver injuries this year in the NFL. Uh, just got to play the hand that's out in DFS and sports betting. 
Uh, that's going to wrap it up for the Week 16 show. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, you've been joining us all season. Please click the like button on YouTube on your way out. Uh, that's going to do it for us. For Ian, I'm Britt. Thanks for watching, and we out you. <laughs>